1: Peace and good morning, world. Welcome to Foundation Radio. My name is Adam Bernard, and I just wanted to say thank you for joining me again today on another fantastic episode of the show. Today's word is redemption, and if anybody in the world deserves redemption, it's my guest today, my dear friend, Brandon Novak. There's this old saying in the world that goes, when the atomic bomb hits, it's going to be a couple of cockroaches and Keith Richards. Well, you can add Brandon to that list, too, because I swear to God, the man has just been through literal hell and back, and nothing has seemed to stop stop him yet it's been rather amazing to see his life travels i remember the first time i met brandon was probably in like 2010 sometime around early summer i hadn't even known this guy maybe six hours and the next thing i know i'm on the sidewalk with cuffs behind my back because of some fight that somebody wanted to pick with him and i wasn't even involved but if you were there and you know you know Brandon just came up on five years of sobriety this past May, and I got to tell you, it's the coolest fucking thing to see this man helping so many people around him and using his tools for good now instead of self-destructing. All right, so here's another producer's note. Brandon and I do go into some pretty deep dives on drug use, drug overdoses, and drug deaths. So if that's something that does trigger you in any way, shape, or form, I would recommend maybe skipping to the next episode or coming back when you're in a better headspace. If not, welcome aboard the Brandon Novak Show, friends. Let's welcome my dear friend Brandon Novak to Foundation Radio. Tired, man, how you feeling? You just like
2: that's the most fucking. I, I, that's the, the most subtle way of being an asshole ever. You look tired, basically means you look like shit in a very nice way. Thanks, Adam. <laughs> that's
1: not true. I see you way worse than this, pal. Let's let's be fair. a way way worse than this. I mean, just- it was cool, man.
2: I didn't fucking. I only left my house to take my cat to get him fixed in the morning. I just picked him up and because of the weather. I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to do anything today. Yeah, so I haven't done anything. Except lay around, which is the first time I've done that in a fucking god knows one.
1: I was gonna say because it seems like every time I'm on your social media or every time I like just check in with you, you're just like, oh, I'm out doing this. I'm over talking to this one. Yeah, I,
2: I, I today today I was I, I, I'm just it was just one of those days. So I slept most of the day. It was great. I fucking lounged around in my pajamas and fucked
1: <laughs> You could say you could say underwear here, man. It's fine. So I,
2: I was going to, but I, I didn't I didn't lay around in my underwear. If I was, I, if I did, I would have. Trust me. But I, I that would have been a lie. I, I Dude, you are,
1: you are a home. You are Brandon Novak homeowner now. Like you could just be fucking naked whenever you want to now in your own space, not in anybody else's space like usual, but just your own. It's fine.
2: <laughs> See, why are we talking? We shouldn't be talking before we start the fucking show because this could have been half the
1: goddamn show. Started. This is the show now. This is this is that's how we're going to start the show. Um. It's just, I think what's amazing when I think about it sometimes is when I think about your schedule and I think about that notebook that you showed me, like the, do you still have your your notebook that you use? A planner. I keep everything in a planner and uh,
2: I write it like, I don't know if how you can see. Yeah, I can see
1: all that. I mean, it's like it's crazy. Like I said, and it's not that it's crazy, like to think about you doing something like this. I think it's just like, it's it's just so fascinating that like, this is what helps keep you like, so when you were in rehab, right, like when you were in the shit, mm-hmm. when did that, the planner start? Like, was that something that you picked up as like a, te- a trick or a technique to help? No, no, but what what started in in treatment
2: was routines. Routines were very important and crucial to me. And I didn't understand it at the time, um, but I was just so broken at that point in time in my life where like, I literally could only focus on if it's seven Oh three on a Monday night and I'm talking to Adam, that's where I'm at wholeheartedly completely. Like I'm all in there. I'm not thinking about Eight o'clock, the meeting I have, or or ten o'clock, this, or seven a.m. tomorrow. Like I, I was completely incapable of of conceiving thoughts that far out in the realm that I was not there. So I literally had to take it minute by minute, and 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 that just kind of snowball affected into the here and now. But I remember the first time that that my routine and or schedule was interrupted in treatment because i had a, a after like 15 i was in treatment for 90 days and i'd say after like day 20 i put together you know a routine and and it's 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 basically the equivalent to 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 when people Go to uh, to jail often. You know, th- they say that they become institutionalized. They do better in there than on the streets with all this freedom. Um, and and I I, I I could I learned how to become intu- in institutionalized just because like it, it was good for my sanity and and it would help me like buy time during very slow periods of time such as incarceration or. wherever I was at at the time that uh, allowed life to slow down and me to recognize it for what it really was without being under the influence of something. Um, So the, the clairvoyancy was really there Uh, and, and in treatment, that's one of those times. And um, around day 20, I'd say I had put together a solid routine, you know, that, that starting, starting from when I opened my eyes to literally when I, I closed my eyes. There was a routine involved, a very regimented routine that could not be thrown off just because my mental couldn't take that. And I remember the first time it was, and I was really out of sorts and what that looked like was after dinner. Uh, I would go back up to my room, um, I would change into my workout clothes and there was this like circle driveway outside that three times around equated to a mile and I would run that nine times. And, um, and then I would come in and I would get a shower and then I would pray. I'd have a, I, I would get a shower, then I would have a cup of tea, a cigarette, I'd pray, I'd go to bed. And the one day I came back in and the, the laundry hadn't been brought back to us. And I didn't have a towel, which means I couldn't shower. And if I couldn't shower, then how could I smoke a cigarette or drink a cup of tea and then pray? And then fuck, my life is, whoa. I, and, and I remember walking in circles in my bedroom and my roommate, he's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I don't have my towel. If I don't have my towel, I can't shower. If I can't shower, I can't smoke. If I can't smoke, I can't have a cup of tea. And then I can't pray. And then I can't go. I got to go.
1: You know? And uh, so it all started there. Right. And it just, it sounds like, I think, I remember when my mom went through the program as well, she told me that there was a woman that she was with who was addicted to crack. She was a crackhead. And I think it was like maybe her eighth or ninth stint. And I think she was finally starting to get it. Um, But she said in the initial stages when they were after like the whole detox thing happened, right? after after That whole process and you're working back in with with the regular folks in in rehab. um, She said that this woman would basically every minute she would do like push-ups, or she would do something and say, "Okay, for this minute, I'm going to do this," and then the next minute, I'm going to do this, and then minutes turned into like half half hours, and then half hours turned into hours. So it's like almost in a lot of ways reprogramming your brain. Because I mean, you know, your story is is legendary now at this point. I mean, you had an entire probably from the time you were 14, everything was revolved around when you were going to get your next score, whether or not it was your, your the heroin or the booze or the Valium or what we'll talk about later when you had these 60 Sanex pills or Valium pills that you, that you took that night uh, with the car. But like, I, I can imagine how difficult that must be having all that wiring that you have to really undo by yourself, right? There's no one there with you. It's just you in that room by yourself. I mean, you have your, you know, I have, the, I have this idea in my head of what rehab looks like. You know, I've never been there, thankfully. Yeah. the idea of of you being locked in a room essentially by because at the end of the day right you're the only person that has to deal with your struggles you're the only person that deals with the demons on a day-to-day basis like that's what i
2: meant when i said i became good at being institutionalized when i was subjected to be in places where i had no other option but to see me for me uh complete transparency and clairvoyancy without the the help of a drink or a drug which would allow me to have a, a jaded perspective you know where I could minimize the severity of my situation that brought me there right <laughs> so so there I'm stuck I, I have no choice but to address me for me
1: and I think that's what I think when I think about your sobriety and I think about you know people like my mom and, and then people who were sober and fell off you know some <laughs> Philip Seymour Hoffman or even a DJ I'm like I feel like what has made you successful and what made mom successful was the fact that you guys actually like dealt with your demons, right? Like I feel like, I feel like in certain situations when she first went rehab was a means to an end, right? She would go put on the, you know, do the, the show, put on the face and then come back home and then she'd be drunk in a half an hour with you kind of the same thing, you know, um, uh, you know, court ordered rehab. You were in jail when, when you were, uh, 2011, when you went after the jackass movie, um, you had to do the the stints. You had to get sober. You had to do all those things. But I feel like, do you feel like, what was it in your head that clicked? You know, uh, I know you told me the story about your mom and, and, you know, uh, that, that piece of it, but what, was there something internally that you were just like, like, no, this is, this is it. This is the end.
2: That's the thing people say, you know, what was the difference between treatment center number four and let's say 13, you know, like, and, and, And the reality is really none. There was no difference in between um, attempts at sobriety and or recovery, if you will. But what I've learned is, is my life is lived forward and learned backwards. So in retrospect, looking back, each attempt, you know, depending upon your perception of the event, was a success. Right. Each attempt, despite me getting out and, and returning to the pub an hour later, a needle on my arm a day later, like there was a success in there um, because th- there was a seed that was planted unbeknownst to me. And, and, and what happened was after all these attempts, you know, because a lot of them were genuine and sincere and a lot of them were not. Mm-hmm. Um, they, but but nevertheless, I went. Uh, and I believe that, that when you bring the body long enough, the mind will follow, right? Because I'm incapable of changing my own behaviors on my own. If I could have done that, I wouldn't fucking go to a treatment center, right? I'm, uh, and that, we, so you talked about that in the beginning. It, it wasn't until I had a psychic change that I was able to not only get sober but stay sober. And that comes from a spiritual experience as a direct result of the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. That's a whole other fucking conversation that maybe we'll get into. Um right. But, but but what happens was ignorance is bliss when you don't know you're, you're not to be held accountable and you know you're to be held accountable. And, and, and after all these attempts, I had learned enough through, th- through sitting through enough of these that, that I couldn't deny my death or destruction that I wrote on the wall in my handwriting. You know, like I, I couldn't fucking say, oh, if it's her fault, it's his fault, it's the, you know, I, I couldn't deny it anymore. and And now, H- having remained sober long enough, I can look back and recognize the synchronicity in life's events that have brought me to the here and now. That proved to me that that every move I made was, was not of my own volition. It, it was a, 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 a under direction of, from my higher power. You know what I mean? That that because again, diving deeper into recovery and the program, which. Uh, Creates that psychic change is that, that 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 no human power can get or keep me sober, right? It has to come from a spiritual experience, something bigger than myself that will allow me to lift me of the obsession or rid me of the desire to want to drink or drug. You know, I I was not capable of doing that. Again, if I could have, I would have thought myself out of the fucking addiction that I suffered from for so many years.
1: I was gonna say you would have you would have already been done. It would have been something in the rearview yeah. mirror.
2: Yeah, you know it was fun in the beginning, and then it wasn't fun for a lot of years.
1: I, well, I was thinking about it too. I mean, I I don't I rarely, if ever, drink anymore. To be honest with you, I mean, I know you and I back in the day we drank probably to kill uh, several moose, but um, I. I don't like losing control like that anymore. I was never the kind of person that was into like needles or pills or any psychedelics or anything. Smoked a lot of weed, but nothing that was outrageous, you know? Um, But I don't like the feeling of losing control. And one of the things that I I had to sort of take stock in is being like, okay, so I know when I drink, I lose control. And when I lose control, I'm not in, I'm not consciously aware of my facilities. Right. And I feel like when I when I hear a lot of things about recovery it's a lot of the same ideas except on like this larger scale right it's the i can as as a as a you know uh what my friend mark would call a normal a normie in his rooms or whatever you want to call it um i can look at myself and say i can stop and and stop the the drinking without having to go through a program whereas someone like you it becomes this overwhelming uh feeling it's it's just it's 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 a uh it, it, it overtakes you. What you said, it's like a, it's like a darkness. It,
2: it, the it's like, progression. It, it's the progression of alcoholism and/or addiction. Right, and it's it's it progressively gets worse, not better. Right. Uh, depending on what direction I'm going and with my recovery and/or sobriety. Um. But the reality is, I suffer from a disease called alcoholism, not alcoholism. Meaning, I cannot stay sober on yesterday's sobriety. Right. I do a few simple things along the day, e- e- along the way each day to maintain my sobriety my sobriety has a shelf life of 24 hours so if i if i did today what i did yesterday i have a pretty good fucking shot at staying sober through tomorrow only to repeat today's actions
1: you know and that's Uh, that's that's the bigger part of it too that i think people miss it's it's looking at it that people and i do the same thing too i i will share with you an experience i had last night into this morning which is sort of when you talk about the spiritual aspect of your recovery it's funny that you you brought that up because i think it connects but um it's just like me like when i lost 65 pounds right i can go to the gym every day and i can do the same things at the gym every day but the minute i stop going the day i stop going i don't make the progress that i made yesterday so it's not just about the beginning part of it like okay today i'm going to stay sober no you have to do it every fucking day and it's, it's, the ma- it's the, yeah. exactly and it's it's easy you know theoretically it's easy for me to go to the gym but if I'm not lifting heavier weights than I was yesterday and I'm not making that progress I'm not continuing what I'm supposed to be doing
2: uh, but, but see, that's where the whole accountability and, and regimented schedules come into play for me you know what I mean today was very out of my norm to lay around on a fucking Monday right and, like not even changing to right, Get a shower and changing the regular. That's like real. If, if you came to my house three days in a row and my bed was not made three days in a row, there's a serious problem on the horizon. Like for real, like, like something's coming because what happens is all of a sudden the, the psychic change that, that took place in order for me to become a completely different man is now reverting
1: back. Right. the backsliding. You're not you're yeah. utilizing those tools. Yeah. and techniques. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. No, so, so the cool thing is, the cool thing is now,
2: and now after I always say, and, and, and a lot of people may not get this and thank God for that because they don't suffer with the disease that I suffer from called alcoholism. Um, uh, the God of my understanding brought me to AA, and AA via the 12 steps have brought me back to the God of my understanding, which means I'm not a religious man, I'm as spiritual as one could get. Um, And and I have this heightened sense of awareness. I know when I'm out of line, I'm out of character and and ignorance is no longer bliss, it it does not work. I fucking know. Um, And the cool thing is, is I've remained sober long enough now to, here's the coolest part about it, is that I've been able to create this life that I love more than I love drinking and drugging. And that's a fucking miracle. The life that I have today, I much prefer to stay sober for than to want to sneak a bag of heroin. And that's, as you know, that's a fucking astounding, uh,
1: the way I party. It really is, because I remember first meeting you, the first day I met you in Westchester was like, Like I think you were on like twenty four or thirty six hours worth of some kind of binge. I mean that's that's what it was back then, right? I mean it was like you know, and not to get in anybody else's business because I keep my side of the street clean, just like you keep yours. But like there were folks in our group uh, who would go on two, three, four day binges of booze. That was the norm. That was the normal, right? And it was like you would just because what happens is the abnormal becomes the normal. Right.
2: right. I get so disconnected from reality and or abnormality. That makes sense.
1: Right. Right. And it becomes it becomes your everyday. Routine. I have. And now on a
2: Monday laying around in my fucking sweatpants, I'm like, what the? Whoa. You know, and, and thank God for that. Yeah. Last night, I was invited to a Halloween party in a bar. Um, I went with uh, Apple. Apple invited oh, yeah. me. Yeah. How hey, was we- she doing? She's doing good, man she's doing good, but she invited me to this this very small gathering at a bar in in philly, and course she's like, "Oh i am sorry for asking you. you probably shouldn't and I'm like, no believe it or not i'm a'm i am i am like a a grown man who's capable of making pretty sensible decisions about my life and and I would know if it's not safe or not so I go and 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 uh and they all—it was from like eight to eleven. So my mind says, "Well, I'm not going to be out till fucking two in the morning. I get really bored. I don't—I don't stay up past like eleven, anyways. And right. and I don't like to be in a bar. That's not fun. But like, this is a special thing asked to me by a special person. So yeah, and and they—they they put. Number one, I, 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 it didn't even cross my mind that I could slice off a shot or a drink without anybody noticing, right? That didn't even cross my mind. But the second thing was, they all did shots and, they, and the one chick, she poured me a shot of ginger ale into a little shot glass. So, you know, to, to be studious, I put my cup up and I, and I did a shot with everyone else. And the guy who was the host of the party, he said, he came running over. He said, Novak, did, did you just do a shot? And I said, believe it or not, I'm very grateful that you invited me to this intimate, beautiful Halloween gathering. But I'm sorry to tell you, it's not worth me fucking ruining my life over. So no, I did not do a shot. Like Nothing personal, but your fucking gathering is not worth me pissing everything away.
1: This is a nice party. It's a nice get together, but I would rather lose my sobriety or something way cool. Don't give yourself that much credit that your fucking party can make me want to. Fucking go, you know what I mean? not, this is not the place for me to do this dude it's just a, it's amazing like i i really do i think about how far you've come and you know just from that moment like and i and i know i talked to cj about it before we got on the show and i was like i know that the, the mercedes story is kind of like our thing right like and i i I never pictured myself like, as anything but just like a guy who was sort of ancillary inside of this world that I didn't really belong. But like, somehow I ended up as like, this major player in the story that sort of changed, shifted the paradigm for you guys for a really long time. And it was the night that you stole Bam's Mercedes from, uh, from his house. Yeah. How, how much of that night, I know we've sort of briefly talked about it a little bit, but like, how much of that night do you really recall vividly?
2: Well I just, I remember I remember going to the house and nobody was there. And I had to um, I had to meet somebody that was selling me a large amount of narcotics. Right. Um specifically Pergus at thirties and Xanax bars. And uh and I'm I'm fucking you know i'm shuffling to find the keys for one of the cars and and at this point they had kind of realized my deal so the, like keys weren't left around too much cuz they used to be there used to be a bowl remember there was a bowl at the front of the house yeah yeah but now i'm living there they see a pattern emerge and they're like yeah so so nevertheless i end up finding the keys and, and i'm like in a hurry because i got this guy waiting and and i take the mercedes and and i go to get I meet the guy and I meet the guy and I get the pills and I'm like stoked. And, 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 life is great. Life is complete. I don't want or need for anything or nothing. And, and, and I go and I get high and I eat the pills and now I'm driving back to, uh, Bam's house. And, and I'm at that cross section where, I don't know what the street is, but right across from where the, what was that? The rat, that bar, the rat,
1: well, yeah. So it's a pop. I think it was a Papa John's. Now, yeah, Papa John's and the rat was there. Yeah. So you're at you're at the cross street of High Street because the campus is on the right hand side, and then Rosedale is the street that runs right through campus. Yep.
2: And I remember just like I'm driving and I'm really relaxed. Go figure, because I'm really under the influence at this point. The the pills have kicked in, and and uh, and I see a CD on the on the passenger seat floor that I want. And I'm driving, and I decide to grab the CD. And when I grab the CD, the, the steering wheel goes with me. And boom, I look up and I fucking hit this car and I'm like, oh my God. My first thought, right? Again, disconnected from reality and or abnormality. My, my, uh, uh, my thinking is, is not what it is today. What it was then was like, I have active warrants in Baltimore. Um, I don't have a license. I have a pocket full of narcotics and realistically I'm in a stolen car. Um, because I do not have permission to be in this, so all of those things kick in, and I just fucking run into the campus. I leave the car, fucking the horn's going off. I've hit another car. That alarm's going off. It's it's not a quiet scene to say the least. And I just disappear into into uh, into the the school and the campus, and and I call you, and because I'm like fuck who I'm I'm, sh- I'm shuffling man, and I call you, and I'm like I don't remember what I said, but I remember. You saying, okay, I'll be right there. And I like hid in the walls of the college until you said, I'm right here. And you gave me a location and I ran out. So you were in. That's kind of where I forget. That's where it goes. Then I remember being in the McDonald's for a second in the bathroom. And I remember eating all the pills and that's where I black
1: out. So you had called me, I think it was probably closer to like 730 and you, I was over, I was at Westchester, or I was at the Sykes Student Union doing something for the radio station and you called me, you were like, you were panicked. I was like, all right, stay, you were at Lawrence Diner, so I said, all right, just stay there. I go in and you're in one of the bathroom stalls and you're telling me about like the CD that you told me. I remember you telling me about the CD. Mm-hmm. And so we walk out of Lawrence and I'm like, all right, let's go to Sykes. Like I got to get you in the car. And I gave you, I don't know if you remember, but I gave you my jacket and my hat and I was like, put this on. you remember that, yeah you and just in case the police are looking so we, yeah. I, we get into my blazer and i drive by the car and the the suv that you hit the back like driver's wheel was like horizontal right <laughs> it was no I don't like, any of that like oh my god i was like no va-.
2: I purposely ignored and avoided looking at it because ignorance is bliss. <laughs>
1: it's like, you didn't tell me that you were on drugs. Like I knew you were, you were impaired, but you were like, I was I, never not on drugs. I was just, you were like, Adam, I swear. I was just leaning down for a CD. And I was like, come on, man. I'm not that fucking sick. Which I was. But you were, and that's again, partially. True, right? That made sense to me. <laughs> so then you're like the whole time you're going. So I'm getting on the phone with Abby. I'm trying to call Abby. And then Mohawk is bleeding through the other line. <laughs> i'm like oh fuck this is not good if mohawk is calling me right and he goes yeah. the first thing he says is where the fuck is novak and i'm like <laughs> he's sitting next to me in the car he's like i don't care what you have to do <laughs> to that fucking car because april has now reported the car stolen and i'm like oh my god so they have you on film a any they- position for you to be in <laughs> i don't want to be i was like i was had plans with courtney to so go to dinner that night like i'm just sitting there to call her i'm like i got no back out to jail she's like what are you talking about and also at the same time i think you were doing weekends at the time at, at george oh
2: yeah and that too yeah i was also spending my weekends incarcerated for a, a, a sentence that i just received a month earlier which was 11 and a half months um which they rationed out to six 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 months weekends and something house so
1: it was fucking weird at a, you had, I think it was like every weekend you would check in on Friday and then you would come home Sunday night because I picked yeah. up a couple times. But it was like, so I'm, I'm at the McDonald's and Abby's calling me. I'm trying to get a hold of everybody. I'm just like, let me just, everybody just shut up for 10 minutes and let me figure this out. And Abby calls and says, don't leave Brandon alone. And before I could ask her why, you bolted into the bathroom, locked yourself in the stall. Yeah, I remember that. And then she was like, he's got like, you know, 80 some pills on him. I was like, oh, fuck. And then next thing I know, you're you've swallowed all these pills. So, uh- well, you know, I remember why I swallowed them because I wasn't going to swallow them like that wasn't my intention.
2: I, I heard in my fucking delusional brain what I thought was to be a walkie talkie like police officers had just walked in the bathroom. And that's what ignited me to fucking
1: because I had Abby on speakerphone trying to get a hold of you because you, I thought a police officer walked in right? and I kept trying to tell you I'm like I like I am now an accessory to a felony why the fuck would I call the pol- <laughs> <laughs> I would not call the police right so next thing and I'm like all right well now I don't know what to do so we get you in the car I'm literally just driving you around Westchester and you are like rapidly failing um I I know we stopped somewhere and then we, I don't recall that part of it, but I I remember being in the car and asking you a bunch of different questions like, what's your name? What's the year? Who's the president? And when you told me the president was Bill Clinton, I was like, okay, I need you to get to the hospital right now. Because first of all, I was- Those are questions that I like, now I would know, but then like- well, that's why I was like, okay, so he said Bill Clinton. So I know something is really wrong because I had never heard, we'd never talked politics before. So I didn't even know you would register that in your brain. Um, so I get you to the hospital and I'm trying to get you checked in. And I'm st- I
2: remember that. I remember being in the hospital, them
1: saying, and I'm like, dude, I'm good, man. I don't know what he's talking about. And the doctor comes out. He's like, oh, this is, this is just another fucking junkie and slams my back door. And I'm just like, what the fuck? So I'm trying to get you medical attention. And... uh the nurse comes down and says, listen, take him for 10 minutes, drive around Westchester. And once he starts to really dip out, bring him back. Yeah. So I brought you back. And by the time you were signing the papers, you were literally like, if the, if the signature part was like here, you were up here trying to sign. And I'm like, Brandon, just fucking X, man. Yeah. And then I get another phone call from Mohawk that says, Bam, is on the way and so someone had called bam at some point to alert him because i think they were shooting the afterworld video in philly right with cky and i have never gotten a phone call quite like that because bam like never calls me right like i can think of a handful of times where he's ever actually physically picked up the phone to call me and the only thing he says is where's novak and i'm like uh, well he's in the back you know getting checked in i'm on my way don't Hmm. go anywhere and i'm like oh fuck right he comes screeching up in that fucking audi comes screaming for you did they now did they strap you to the gurney at that point uh that he's
2: because
1: i remember i remember them talking about that but i i know that they didn't i was just there under my own volition i know that the nurse told me that if i had waited any longer you would have died like yeah brought you
2: you know what though um yeah. No. Yeah. 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 And I think, yeah, but that, that, yeah, it was, I mean, that was uh, one of those ones where I was absolutely uh,
1: one of the many, many times that I would have died. It's like, uh, and it, it was, I remember just like watching you fade. Like it was, cause I had seen you like in kind of perilous conditions before, but it wasn't to the point where I was like concerned that you were going to just like die. You were going to just expire in the back of my car. Um mm-hmm but i remember that not just because of like you know the fact that i had to put you in costume to walk you down the campus but like it also stuck with me because it like it was genuinely like a traumatic situation for me because i had you know i had dealt with stuff with my mom and some of my friends and things before but i had never been actively in a situation where someone was dying and basically dying in my presence i mean you were you were in really bad shape um When you recovered, like when you woke up, what do you have any recollection of what you were thinking like when you were sort of clear?
2: I mean, not even specifically about this situation,
1: um, but the
2: results to all these kind of situations were always the same. They were always the same, um, whether it was fucking totaling an a, a S5500, uh, eating a bottle of pills in a McDonald's bathroom, or just simply shooting up too much on the corner and overdosing. What happens is I come to, in the back of an emergency room or, or an ambulance, and, uh, and and all of a sudden, these bright lights hit me like a ton of bricks, uh, and they've always given me Narcan, which reversed the effects of opiates, so I, I smell it. I taste it first. It's like I taste the smell before my eyes even open. And then my eyes open and and I'm fucking hit in the face like a ton of bricks with this blinding white, like almost heavenly light because the lights are always so bright. And I'm like hypersensitive to my surroundings because I'm usually such under the influence that I'm like just floating through. You know what I mean? So now like um, it's like you haven't breathed for like you haven't you're, you're underwater drowning and finally you come up and you go that's what it's like when you hit with narcan. you come back in and everything's just like, ah, you see it. And, and, and I just want to, I'm like a stranger in my own skin, trying to figure out who the fuck let me in. And I want to get out but they reversed the effects. Now I'm fucking mad because I worked really hard to acquire all these pills and the money that it took to get them. And, and then I have fucking Apple screaming at me. I got bam screaming at me. My addiction saying, get one more. The fucking saying my, my head saying, you're going to get arrested. Get out. of You know what I mean? It's an influx of things hitting me at once. And, and it's not fun.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, I'm, like I feel anxious listening to you talk about it. Like I can't imagine like that rush of life again and then all of a sudden there are 60,000 things happening and like, of course you're but for- that's,
2: okay. And that's why it's so hard for people to get sober, right? Because like it, getting sober is not for the fucking faint, it, 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 the faint of heart. Like if it was easy to get and stay sober, the whole world would be, right? But we all of a sudden we come to, we have that moment of clarity and we see life for what it really is. Worse off, what we've created it to be, right? We have created it to be as bad as it is. um, And the only person that can get us out of that is us. You talked about that in the beginning. Um, Now, do I want to deal with the fucking, you know, however many months years it takes to repair my damages that i've created or do i want to spend ten dollars and escape the reality that i have created for myself which continues a wash rinse repeat cycle until either you die or you go to jail
1: when if you don't mind talking about it when you talk about not for the faint of heart um because i don't want to trigger anything in in you or like say anything that's going to make anything wild but like when you your are like 72 hour detox. Cause that's about it, right? Like you'd be pretty much drug, like heroin free is out of your system in about 72, right? Somewhere inside of that range.
2: Roughly, but yeah.
1: What, was, what were the first 24 hours of your detox like? Do you have any recollection of it? This time? It's last time when you fished it- one. Oh,
2: I was so grateful, man. I was so grateful. Prior to getting into detox, I was like detox on the street and that was hell. I, and I found myself Across the street from the the, the kegs on tap, Wawa in town, you know, the big Wawa? Yeah, yeah. Across the street, there's a Galdensia outpatient assessment building, uh, storefront, because it's like building, you know, it's like road stores. And and I went in there and and, uh, I, I was like laying in the corner under the chairs because it was also an outpatient clinic, so there was like normal students. Regular people that are like clean, going there for their outpatient groups. You know, like 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 I am today, like clean, sober. I like life. You know, whatever. And I'm like, I'm I'm ill as a research monkey. I'm I'm disgusted with myself. I I just, again, I want to kill myself so fucking bad that I've 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 crawled under the chairs that they have aligned in the room. I crawl under the ones in the corner and I lay with my face into the wall like where it meets the corner where it's an l like because I'm, I'm i'm in this fetal position because i'm so sick and if i could have gotten in the wall i would have you know what i mean i just wanted to just ugh, just don't talk don't look at me just trying to hide so much um and i go and then they call me in to do the assessment from this guy who was truly a, a fucking an angel and and he brings me in and and uh I'll never forget it and and I'm sit, he's sitting in the chair and and he I have this big clipboard and this paper and I'm supposed to answer these questions and, and I can't write I can't sit I can't I'm shitting I'm pissing I'm throwing up all at the same time pretty much and 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 I couldn't and I walk in and, and I, I give the I, said, I can't do it and I give it to him and there's a chair he's sitting like this and then there's a chair you know this is the desk on the other side. And I couldn't sit up. I, I, I laid in that fetal position at his feet, like a, like his dog, like a wounded dog, you know, a dog next to their owner. And, and, and he asked me the questions and I just said, yes or no. And he filled it out and he said, okay, Brandon, he said, today's Memorial day. And this is like, not going to be easy. I'm going to try to get you a bed somewhere. And they're not hard. They're not easy to come by. I didn't have insurance. I didn't have like someone financially paying for me anymore. So I said, all right. And uh, he said, go out and wait in the waiting room. And I went out and I I couldn't wait. I, I wanted to smoke cigarettes, but I didn't have any cigarettes, but I went outside and I sat next to where they were putting, where the clients put their cigarette butts. And I sat out there and I, I'd pull a cigarette butt out and I'd light it up and I'd get like two puffs off and I'd pick another one out of the receptacle and I'd, I'd literally light one off the other and just get like two puffs So I ran out. And then I, and then I decided to lay in between, there's this bush right out front of the door, the bush, and then there's the wall to the building. And I decided to lay in between the bush and the wall. And my very next thought was either if he doesn't get me a bed, I'm just going to lay here until somebody... Cause I couldn't even walk anymore. And that's where I laid and he came and he said, Brandon, we got you a bed. We got you a bed at the same place you've been to the last four times because they say, right again, coming back to being institutionalized. They say that you've never been a problem and you do really well there and they're willing to give you another chance. So as soon as I, I knew shit was different this time, Adam, like wow. I, I knew that, I knew that like, I, I was tired of my my I knew that my words held no more weight, right? I was tired of hearing my own fucking voice. So I wasn't like, Adam, it's different. I'm going to rehab. No, I was done talking, man. Like I was truly done. And and I decided for the first time in my life I was gonna let my walk do my talk for me. Which is again that psychic change. My behaviors became different. Um unlike anything people had seen before. So like, whoa, something's going on here. But when I got to the detox and in there, like I felt like I hit the mega millions where most people would be like, Oh fuck. I'm so sick. My life is shit. My life was so bad that I felt like I literally hit the mega millions lottery to get one more shot at rehab because I knew, I knew I fucking knew in my heart. And I didn't tell people I, cause I knew they'd say, Oh, you should never say that you don't do that. I knew that I was going to fucking do it because like I was done. I was so done. If you told the the willingness was there to follow your suggestions, I had become open-minded because the pain had finally became great enough.
1: It's just so amazing that you, you had, you were with so it. It's, it's fairly
2: simple. It was fairly easy for me. Like I didn't, I didn't have a hard time. In, in rehab, early recovery. Up to now, my sobriety has been pretty fucking easy because, like, I, I, I stay in the middle of it, right? I'm very proactive in my recovery, my sobriety, the upkeep, right? The maintenance. I, I do it, man, on a daily basis. And, and I know that everything's good, man.
1: So you're how far into it now? What's, what, what year
2: are you coming up on? Uh, I'll be coming up on my six years. Uh, May was five.
1: Five, right. May, oh, my God. I remember seeing you think you had been sober about a year at that point, maybe. And we went to Moss and we yeah. we, we did your first Reddit AMA together. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I don't know if it was CJ or someone that we were with had a beer and you grabbed the beer bottle and walked it upstairs. And I was like, I remember being like, whoa, 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 dude, are you sure it's okay for you? Like, are you okay to do this? And you said something to me that, that kind of stuck with me. You were like, I have to live in this world. I have to be comfortable living inside of this world as who I am now. Like I'm, I'm okay touching this beer bottle because I know I have the power to say, I'm not going to drink this. It was something along those lines. But the, the idea was that like you were now living as a sober person inside of a non sober world. And in order to do that, you had to get like comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah,
2: the, the, The world didn't have to get right with me, right? Nobody owed me shit. I had to get right with it. And just because I got sober doesn't mean the rest of the fucking world gets sober. Right. right? So I have to learn how to adapt and adjust to reality. It's unbelievable.
1: Like last night, I was able to go to that thing and not be tempted in the least bit. And that's amazing to me too, just thinking about like our history and thinking about the things that I've experienced with you. I mean, I recall that it was like, you were always like, oh no, it's just booze. I'm off the dope, but yeah. You got that bottle of red wine in front of you. Nobody knew what the fuck was going to happen. You did. You just had, it was like, it was almost like you were, you gave a toddler a loaded handgun. Sure. Had three bullets in the chamber and you just spun it around. You didn't know what to expect. And I think a lot of times it was scary because, you know, there were a lot of kind of weird situations with some of the unsavory individuals that came around Mm -hmm. towards the end of my run with the, the group. But like, I always felt that there was sort of this extra level of danger with you because I never knew where you were going to be in your headspace. I never knew how far you were going to take it in certain situations. And I was always just concerned for your safety. So now when I see you doing all these amazing things, literally looking like someone who should be on the cover of GQ with your ascots and your shoes. And, um, it's like, it's, it gives me so much happiness. It brings me so much joy to see that because I always felt like deep down in my heart that you were going to get it someday. You know, like I always knew that that something in you, that person was there, that person that we all talked about, that that individual that you would tell me about, the kid who was skateboarding and on the cover of Sports Illustrated and, and doing those things with Michael Jordan, all those amazing things that you've done with your life, sitting at fucking MTV with Jay-Z, right? Like all of these things, that's who you are. That's what, that's your, that is your destiny. And the only person that was stopping you from completing that destiny was you. And it was like, no, he's way too fucking smart, way too talented to, to give this all up. And I think I, I'm just so impressed by the, and I'm not just saying this for the show. Like I, I really mean this, you know, I'm not trying to hype you up because, you know, we know each other well enough. I don't have to hype you up, but like, I, I am genuinely impressed by your commitment to your sobriety your continued maintenance of it and just how far you've come. And like the person that you are now is not the person that I knew then in any way, shape or form.
2: And that, and that all comes back to that psychic change. That was absolutely a necessity in order to me, in order for me to get sober and stay sober, you know? And, and again, I, I, it's really funny, but I, I talking back about like, what was the difference between number one to 12 to 13 to eight to six, whatever. And there was really no difference, but I think, Um, the synchronicity in life's events, everything kind of aligned at the right place at the right time um, that I could no longer deny the severity of my disease that I suffer from. Um, And and ultimately taking pieces from all the facilities, all the groups, all the meetings that I've went to, it all just kind of fucking came together like a beautiful puzzle and, and it parted like the Red Seas and I could see it for what it really was. And it became very simple to me. Right. Because I, again, I'm, I'm no fool by any means. Um, you know, I come from better. I know better. I pride myself on being the outside the box kind of thinker. I'm the kind of guy, if I believe it, I can see it. I don't need to see it to believe it. Um, and, and all of a sudden everything just aligned and, and uh, there's, you know, a handful of each things that have played a part in baking this cake per se uh, that, but, but the funny thing is, is it just all came from 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 me failing right me failing so many times it it, it taught me uh that that you know what because you said it i was looking on the wall and and i would look at each attempt each try each way i went about it and, and and what i realized is from something my sponsor told me a long time ago, the, the heroin, the cocaine, the wine, that's not your problem, it's your solution. It's your solution to your problem, which is you, your thinking, your attitude, your behavior. So right? That's a seed that was planted, and then all of a sudden, I'm walking into treatment center number 13, and I realize, again, I am walking into treatment center number 13 by myself, with me. She's not coming. He's not coming. They're not coming. It's me. Maybe the common denominator in my problems are me. Right, and now that piece came together which 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 was which, which, which fucking aligned with, with the other piece. And then I'm like, okay, my thinking, my attitude, my behavior is the problem. Uh, I, I've also learned that expectations are nothing but unfulfilled resentments. So so what I'm gonna do now is I'm gonna walk into treatment center number 13 with absolutely no plan, right, because every time I make a plan, I'm let down. That's an expectation which turns into a resentment. And they taught me in AA that resentments are number one offenders that will lead us back to a drink, right, it all fucking connects in a weird way. Um, and these things all align. So for the first time, I walked into treatment center number 13 with absolutely no plan. Right, and 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 that lack of plan has produced the best of plans, and and it happened really simply. I just knew that hey, all of a sudden I'm the problem. If I get out of my fucking way, uh, I become open minded just enough to be willing to say hey, I can't do this, but you seem to be able to because every time I come to rehab, you're the same person checking me in. Can you help me? You all of a sudden now give me some suggestions because the pain was so great. I decided to follow your suggestions because I don't know if I'm going to stay clean, but I just don't want to feel how I feel right now. I start following your suggestions and guess what tomorrow i feel better than today and then the next day after that i feel better than that day and it just snowball affected in here i can i brought the body and the mind followed
1: and it's it's funny when you say can you help me like mm-hmm. the question isn't can you help me it's can i can you help you that would have been my rebuttal to you i don't know are you ready to help yeah, you that's and, it and i think i think you're right i think i think deep down in you that was i, I really do genuinely feel that though you had gotten to that point And it was all the tools and the remedies were there because I was saying today before we get into the next part of what I was going to talk about. I have a very serious anxiety problem. I just I am always just wound up about something and I always feel like doom and gloom all the time. And something very unusual happened to me last night. Um, it was raining pretty much all through the night and Courtney left the windows open while we were, while we were sleeping. And at some point in the middle of the night, which I usually do, I've been doing for probably the past like four or five years, I wake up in the middle of the night and I have a very serious anxiety attack. Sometimes it's like more than, you know, sometimes it's, it's kind of greater than others. And it, it keeps me up for several hours. And all I did, I just sat there and I was like, Jesus Christ, I just want this fucking shit to stop. Like, I just want this to stop. And I sat there for a minute and I just like focused on the rain and I just listened to the rain. And the next thing I knew within 10 seconds, that anxiety was gone, man. And every time my brain, my mind would try to start the anxiety again, the rain would kick in and I was good. I have literally not felt so calm in, I can't even tell you how long I feel I feel more calm than I think I ever have in my entire life. And Courtney said to me, she goes, that's meditation. That is something. Yeah, that is meditation. That is something that is, is what is going to help you realign your brain. That's going to help you. And I thought about you right away. I was like, fuck, I wonder if this is what Brandon feels like all the time. Like it, I basically is- it, it slows the world down and turns into like the matrix. Right. You know? And then when I
2: meditate, then I can see things I'm like, okay. You know, so that was your experience that you had with that situation. Now, you know what works, what the solution is to your problem, which is those fucking situations. Next time, you know what to do.
1: Yeah. It was the, it's the idea that like, it was almost like a spiritual experience. Cause I'm not a religious person. Courtney is, I know that you, you know, you had your baptism recently, but, um,
2: yeah, but that's, that's not even like, it, I'm open-minded to anything, right? Like, that's right, that's fuck, right. I'll take as much as I can get. Hopefully something
1: works out. Bro, I am all about anything that works. If it's just gonna try be, it, she or if it's gonna be Jesus, I, whatever. Yeah. Whatever's gonna work. Just it go. No, just fucking throw it all together. It's fine. What can it hurt? <laughs> right. Exactly. It's nothing. has worked so far, but yeah. Um. So I I remember just feeling like very. It really did. It felt like a spiritual experience in a lot of ways. It was like, how did something so simple work? And then also too, like, how has it been so elusive for me all this time? But when you talk about the twelve steps, was like was it difficult with you after being so untruthful with yourself for so long?
2: No, no, not nothing was difficult because the, the pain, the pain of continuing the way that I was the pain of continuing to live the way I was living as a direct result of drugs and alcohol far outweighed anything else. Right? I, I didn't come in like, Oh, I don't know if I want to do these steps. Cause like, what if dude fucking bring it on, man? Because the, fucking beating that i just received from addiction that makes anything else look like chump change
1: (laughs) was there was there any specific step that was the most difficult for you no No. none of them them fucking all walk in the park because the pain of my addiction
2: beat me so bad again the pain produced a willingness unlike anything i had ever experienced uh from a human
1: that's amazing. I see I, I know that I know that some can be
2: Right. Your pain became great enough from your attack last night that you were like, What do I do? And then you, you improvised.
1: And it's like I was on medication, I've tried, you know, working out works and I've tried all kinds of things. And then last night out of nowhere, yeah he that the rain worked and it was like, shit, I can't believe it took me this long to figure it out. But I had shared with you recently that one of my ex-girlfriends, somebody that was really important to me, had, had passed away from a heroin overdose uh, on July 4th. Um, I guess I've become so accustomed to, for some reason, people in my life dying from drug use, um, specifically heroin. Like I, I can't even count on both of my hands, how many friends that I've I buried uh, from drug use. And I, I, remember the last time I spoke to her, I think it was right before the pandemic hit. Um, and I said to her, you know, I check in cause I used to check in from her on, from check in on her from time to time. And, uh, I said, listen, you know, I want you to take this telephone number. I want you to take my cell phone number and I want you to take this number down. This is my buddy, Brandon. Um, and if you have any issues, I want you to reach out to him cause he can help you. He's the guy that can, and then I shared your videos. I said, if, 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 if he can do it, anyone can. And she was like, thanks so much. I really appreciate I'm in a great spot. And then, you know, she, she died. And I don't know the circumstances of her death. Um, I don't really know a whole lot, but it's like, it's one of those things that I think about that on a daily basis where it's just like, it's another person uh, who got sucked into this and, and got sucked into, this, uh, into their darkness and couldn't get back out. Um, does that humble you when you speak to people? that you give your information to and you help get through the system and you go get through the programs and then you may hear that they did not stay sober and that they may have passed like like how does that make you feel as someone who has now devoted their life to and not necessarily to say that like, that's like anything you did I don't want to spin it or couch your couch yeah, it
2: I get it I, I, it makes complete sense to me and again going back to where I began with all this sobriety recovery fucking talk, if you will, that, that the, the psychic change that was required in order for me to get sober and stay sober that had to take place was a direct result of, uh, of the spiritual experience that I received. Um, and the learnings that, that I've been taught in my program of Alcoholics Anonymous that tells us that no human power could ever get us sober or keep us sober. Uh, you know reminds me on a daily basis that like i'm not god so why the fuck am i trying to play god right i I believe that that uh when i was first sponsoring people i said to my sponsor i said i don't want to say that he he was like three months in and this kid asked me to sponsor him and i'm like whoa this kid's putting his life in my hands i go back to my sponsor i said i'm really scared i don't want to say the wrong thing that that could potentially make him go back out and die and he says sweetheart don't flatter yourself you're not powerful enough to kill anybody or save anybody. You're simply a messenger in God's game uh, and, and he calls the shots. You know, I, I, I always go back to when I want to make my God laugh, I tell him how my day is going to go. Um, I, I, I make it to meetings to find out what happens to people that don't make it to meetings, right? Everyone carries a message. Um, and, and her death was not in vain because now it's the topic of this conversation which is like a PSA or, or a fucking other, you know, people say, how do we lift the stigma? How do we lift the stigma? Right. Unfortunately or fortunately, depending upon your perception, the stigma is lifting because the death toll is rising. So it's now a topic of conversation. Yet here we are because of her untimely death. You right. know what I mean? Like it's just, I think everything is spiritual and, and, and I can, it's, it's, all, it's all written out. It's all written out, you know? And I think- I, I do. I do really playing the part that I was given today that could change tomorrow. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't set out to be this guy when I was in that treatment center and I was getting sober. They got me CJ and, and uh, another person and some other people kind of came together and got me a job at Marianne's diner where I was washing dishes for $6 an hour under the table for the, you know, first six months. Well, I was in treatment for 90 days and then the next Six months after that 90 days, I was washing dishes. And then from there, I got promoted to waiting tables. I didn't like set out to be this recovery advocate. I didn't even know this line of work existed. I had no idea that there was a paying gig that they, in, in recovery that helps people with treatment. I had no idea. I swear to God. Um, I, it was not even a blip on my radar. I remember going to the, the family therapist and, and she said, well, what do you want to do? You and I said, I don't know. And she got on the line and we we're trying to find what I was qualified for. And guess what? With was no fucking a GED from the penitentiary and a, and a 24-year addiction with multiple incarcerations and, and treatment. I was not qualified for much. I'm a convicted felon at that point. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I and like and, and, then all this, and then all of a sudden, I tripped and fell into this world. I, I literally, I got a phone call and they asked me to come speak at the facility. I, I, and, and and little did I know when I got to the facility, there was going to be a three day experience. And at the end, they were going to offer me this, this, this job. Um, they had all created the whole thing for me. I'm not, I am not clever enough to paint myself in this picture for what you see me in. I am not. I take no credit for this. It's all due to the spiritual experience from my higher power. All I simply did was get the fuck out of my way and follow suggestions, and I dumbed my way into everything that you see. right? I, I did not do this, and the moment I take credit for it, it will fucking go. I've seen me do it. Um, do, you, yeah, do you feel lucky? I feel grateful. I don't believe in luck. I feel internally and extremely grateful.
1: That's good. I'm not a luck guy either. I, I feel I, I am in consistent belief that, like you say all the time, my circumstances are, are determined by how I decide I'm going to handle my day and they're determined by the choices that I make. And if I make a wrong choice, that's, that's my decision. That
2: leads to those results. I believe if I make decision A, I get A's results. Decision B, B's results. You know, uh, you know and I believe everything comes back to perception and perspective. You know, I choose to see those unfortunate circumstances that took place in my life as me simply being divinely inconvenienced over and over and over which then after I get sober, I finally do the internal work that was required in order to get the external results that I always fucking desired, right? Again, I'm not clever enough to do all this. I'm not clever enough to, to – I didn't go to, like, home-buying cl- fucking class. I didn't I didn't go to, like, how do you learn how to be a motivational speaker so, like, colleges pay you to go there. I didn't do any of that shit, man. I didn't. I just fucking – I had the spiritual experience. I practiced 12 steps, and, and I, I just – I just try to do right, man. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's that's all you that's that's all you can do now. I mean, you're now you're walking the walk and you're talking the talk and again, I I I can never tell you enough how proud of you I am for all of the steps you've taken all the positive changes that you've made in your own life. I mean, I want to be like, you know, sometimes I think about, it, it's like, Oh man, can you believe you're a homeowner? It's like, well, of course you can. Of course I can. Like, yeah, I, right? no, this was, this was in your destiny, right? This was always going to be written in your story. It was just a matter of how soon you were going to fucking get there, right? <laughs> like matter yeah. of like you said, getting the fuck out of your own way and just doing it, man. Like you are yeah. one of, again, I'm not trying to hype you up just for the show, but it, you're one of the best skateboarders I've ever seen. Your talent is limitless. Limitless. I have seen you do things that people could wish to do in a lifetime on that skateboard. And here you are basically. And I know, you know, we've spoken about this before you, you had squandered it for so long. Now you have the chance to do it again and you're fucking doing it. And it's like, well, of course, of course he is because exactly those lost dreams become awoken right before the abnormal
2: was the normal. Now the normal is the normal and abnormal is completely fucking insane to me. Yeah, so now it's like yeah, I own a home. Of course, of course, I own a car. Of course, I'm I'm going to settle on another house tomorrow in Wilmington, Delaware, that I'm opening as a, a men's recovery house called Novak's House, which I I plan on creating a chain nationwide. So, like, yeah, that's what I'm doing. You know, like that's the norm. Like, like me going to have a fucking drink or a shot of heroin is completely insane to me because I've had that psychic change. That is amazing. Wait, let's go back to that for a second when did you start putting that together when did that start oh it's been in the works I, to talk about I don't it? know so many moving pieces that have to come together and everything's done now i just have to fucking settle on the house which god willing is tomorrow at 4 30. Wow. Uh, we had a few issues with that uh, you know um typical but, uh, oh the, the, the websites created the the brochures are made the the logos got it we have a house everything's in place we just need the fucking keys to the house like for real Good for
1: you, man. That's a that's a huge accomplishment, man. That's. I
2: haven't made an announcement about it, so this will. you yeah. whenever you choose to do this, it'll be like probably one of the very first announcements.
1: That's crazy, man. That is absolutely unbelievable. I'm so proud of you, man. That's yeah. now. How? What is the plan? Like how, how? soon are you looking to open additional places? Kind of nature.
2: Nation- I, I didn't get the first. This is the first time I've ever done anything of this 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 ma- this magnitude. Um, and you know, I think it's like. I don't have kids, but I think it's like, um, you know, um, you, you, you have your first kid and you're like, oh, fuck, we got a baby safeguard this. They got to stay with. And then after your third, it's like, dude, they're fine. You know, so I think this house is like, oh, my God. And then after this, I'll get in the rhythm and motion of it and be like, all right, bam, here we go. Here we go. Here we go.
1: Yeah, I, so- can, I can fully attest to that as a father of three children. By the time we got to three, it was just like, she'll be fine. Just let her fucking yeah. play. That's how I played out with my cats. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, that is amazing, man. Now, as always, I like to sort of tie up these things with just giving out your telephone number. Um, What's the best way for people to reach you uh, who are listening, who may know someone or themselves?
2: If anybody's out there and they're struggling, they've, they've found themselves in a position that they're not capable of getting out of on their own as a direct result of drugs or alcohol, please, please, I cannot stress, beg, plead enough. I'm going to give you my personal number. You use it. Give it to someone who may use it. Give it to someone who needs it. Give it to someone who wants it. Just hold it for a rainy day. Um and, and and me and my team will be there to take that call and aid and assist in getting you the help that not only you need but you deserve. And that phone number is three9092.
1: Dude, it is always a pleasure to see you, man. I'm going to miss being close to you. I feel like we should go get coffee, but I feel like the idea of getting coffee, I have to dress up nicely. I have to try to like, because I remember just like wearing sweats and a t-shirt. It's like, well, I know I'm going to look better than Novak today, but now like when I see, <laughs> when I see your photos on Instagram, I'm like, Jesus Christ. Does, now, do you have your own stylist? I know you have your own skin routine now, right? Like you have a whole thing you do.
2: Things change. Things are changing. I, I actually just—I—I uh, I, I did acquire not a stylist, but like a. Oh, oh because I hate shopping, but I love fashion, um, and uh, so I got someone that like knows my style and what I like, and she goes and like finds things and sends them to me, and if I like them,
1: you know. That's amazing, man. Just the, the photograph, the people who follow you around and, and create the, the Instagram profile and the image for you is just like, I'm like, fuck, man, this is great. I need, I need my own Novak team. But, <laughs> I'm grateful, man. I
2: love you, brother. It's always good to I see you. I love you, man. Thank you for this. It's really nice. and, and it's, We got a way to catch up. It's not like we won it, but we got it, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate it, buddy. Love
1: you, buddy. See you, Adam. See you, buddy. Bye. Thanks again to my dear friend, Brandon Novak, for stopping by the show today. It is always wonderful to catch up with him, even if it has to be through Zoom because of this goddamn virus right now, but hopefully when I'm back again from Pittsburgh, I will get a chance to catch up with him and we'll get that cup of coffee we've been putting off for a couple of months now. Recovery is possible. It's never too late to start over. Brandon's direct line. If you or someone you know is in need of recovery, you can start right here by calling 610-635-9090. 9-2 Novak's house is also open and ready for business right now as I record this You can go on to Facebook You can go on to his Twitter account and find out all the information you need to know About Novak's house and how you can get yourself set up friends. Thank you so much for joining me again I truly appreciate it Make sure you check us out on Instagram and on my Twitter account at this is goober. We'll see you again next Tuesday I appreciate it friends. Peace <laughs>
0: Foundation Radio is recorded and produced by Adam Barnard and Sam Kreps. Our intro and outro is produced by Dumb Ugly. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Foundation underscore Radio. Find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Foundation Radio Pod. This has been a Foundation Radio production.